Welcome to the CMDP 4810 podcast, Project Phoenix, where we'll be discussing climate change and its massive impacts on Colorado's ecosystem. My peers and I will be addressing not only issues surrounding climate change, but also hazardous environmental dangers in neighborhoods throughout Colorado and the massive housing issue within the state. Next, they'll be discussing the wildland-urban interface and its role in neighborhoods, along with various issues that may prevail within such zones. Finally, my fellow peers will be guiding us through the recent experiences of the destructive wildfires in Louisville. On today's episode, Colorful Colorado, we will be discussing climate change and how it's heavily affecting the tourism industry throughout Colorado. We'll be joined by Hunter Wright, the sustainability manager at Eldora Ski Resort, who has been recognized for her aid towards various environmental projects and sustainability efforts. She'll be giving us a closer look into just how much climate change has influenced day-to-day relations and how Eldora, specifically, is combating these changes. My name is Jacqueline Sandstedt. And I'm Logan Jacobs. We have a lot to get started with, so let's jump on in. Ah, welcome all to Colorful Colorado, where the sun shines 300 days a year and features four unique, beautiful seasons. Being from the big city, Colorado changed my world to the pristine natural beauty of this state. Situated in the heart of the Rockies, Colorado boasts over 10 national forests and 42 state parks. Yet natural beauty isn't the only thing that draws a crowd. No matter the time of year, the state is known as a mecca for outdoor activities. I, for one, love to partake in a ski trip here and there, even amidst the tragic reality of sitting in I-70 or waiting in a lift line for 30 minutes. Skiing, climbing, biking, camping, there really is no limit for your heart's desires here. And before I forget, it's no surprise we have yet another beautiful day today in Boulder. Yeah, sitting in traffic is a sad reality of being a part of that culture, but who doesn't love the taste of a hot toddy in the lodge at Breck or a $20 hot dog from Keystone at the end of the long day of runs? But we can't forget, personal enjoyment isn't the only thing we get out of these opportunities. The tourism industry is and has been such an essential part of the local economy, and it's been this way for quite a while. The original migration of miners in the late 1800s and the Enlarged Homestead Act incentivized farmers to settle in the state. Towns like Gold Hill and Idaho Springs were founded under such circumstances, and especially Gold Hill, you step into the past when you visit. Ultimately, a tourist boom in the late 1900s captivated those in search of life beyond the chaos of urban reality. Colorado is highly regarded as one of the leading winter sport destinations of North America, hosting a variety of annual winter sporting events like the X Games in Aspen, as well as an ever-expanding list of summer activities. But you don't have to go far from our college town of Boulder or when your flight touches down in DIA to experience the gorgeous landscapes, wildlife, and entertain yourself with the various activities offered each season. For some, it is just a hop, skip, and a jump away, but for most, it is worth the patience of getting stuck in the Eisenhower Tunnel on the way. Hunter Wright, head of sustainability at Eldora, spoke to us about how Eldora specifically has been working towards a more sustainable approach to operating a ski resort in both a day-to-day stance to a broad goal-setting perspective. When I first started, we really needed to get a baseline of what our GHG was. GHG is, for those who may not know, a report on the energy consumption of a company. This includes fugitive emissions, gas and groomers, electricity usage, and all other forms of energy. Out of our energy audit and our GHG audit, we had three main focuses, um, three main goals. One was to move our vehicle fleet to electric. One was to increase building automation. And then one was procuring renewable energy. So our most immediate goal is 
becoming 100% renewable by 2025. Currently, we're at 22.5% renewable energy. And we are working with Excel, actively trying to procure additional solar. And then also with our capital projects every year, we are looking at solar panels, potentially partnering with a local solar array. Yes. So another one of our goals is waste diversion, increasing our waste diversion rate. Um, Right now, our waste diversion rate is 31%. Um, The Boulder average is 50%. The national average is 32.5%. So waste diversion is the amount of items like the recycle and compost that you keep out of the landfill. So it's how much you're diverting from the landfill. Um, So right now, a third of the waste that the Eldora guests and employees produce goes to recycle or compost. Hunter proceeds to talk about daily goal-setting techniques of each department. I've primarily focused on creating this culture of sustainability within the resort and institutionalizing sustainability in every facet, every touch point of daily operations. Every resort meeting, employees are expected to bring their own water bottle or coffee mug um, and not use any single-use plastics. And then another thing we did this year is all of our grab-and-go items that we serve through food and beverage, all of those containers are compostable. Because we basically have to treat each day like a new event. So we're training new people. I mean, we have our locals. Yeah, for sure. But especially on weekends, you know, we have people who've never skied before. We have people visiting friends. Um, We have people with young kids that are just learning how to ski. And so we really need to to train them on, you know, where each thing goes because we have recycled compost and landfill. Aside from the many sustainability attempts to combat climate change, we must ask ourselves on a grand scale if these efforts are truly inspiring change. Today, we are faced with the harsh reality of a warming planet, and it's making a detrimental impact on our landscape and everything we love about the state. Why Colorado? Why must it be a pressing issue for us residents and fellow environmental justice hippies to be so concerned about, you may ask? Elevation. We're situated more than a mile above sea level. That amount of exposure to the harsh sun above us has major impacts throughout the state. For Boulder specifically, our beloved Boulder, yes, we are already experiencing the effects of climate change in a very grim way. CU Boulder specifically has worked closely with Eldora, inspiring their routine for eco-friendly practices. So CU has been really helpful as kind of a mentor for us because CU faces similar challenges with students and having new students each year. Most recently, the Marshall Fire has obliterated much of the perception that this state is as refined as once advertised. This season, we have already witnessed a delay in the amount of snowpack, with earlier snowmelt, increased risk of high-intensity wildfires, and various other extreme weather events. Scary, I know. Imagine living through it. We've seen hundreds of homes pulverized by wildfires and countless other occurrences that have drastically changed the lives of our fellow friends and neighbors. Whether it be a slow decrease in water availability, agricultural yields, or wildlife, climate change threatens all that makes Colorado so colorful. Right. So according to multiple independent measurements, the average temperature in the state has increased by about 2 degrees Fahrenheit between 1977 and 2006. Now, those who are listening could probably think, oh yeah, what's the big deal? A two-degree difference doesn't decide if I will be wearing a jacket outside or not. But here's how we need to start looking at these things. Our resting body temperature lays around 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. 100 degrees or higher is considered in the range of a fever, meaning your body is attempting to fight off something. 
anything above 103 degrees means that you're taking a trip to the nearest hospital. So although our body, the earth, is not at the brink of a swift Uber ride to the nearest hospital, we have a fever. And according to the Colorado Health Institute, we are currently the 20th fastest warming state in the U.S. since 1970. I'm no scientist, but I assume that's not a good thing. So we've warmed up a whole two degrees. What does that actually mean for us? Well, most notably, this will create a major impact on snowpack and our beloved winter sports industry. Scientists from the University of Colorado Boulder's Environmental Center predict that snowpack in the southern Rockies will drop by 50% this century. 50. I'll let that sink in for a moment. And that's nothing compared to Sierra Nevada's expected snowpack fall of 90%. This will dramatically diminish the ski season every year, leading to earlier springs and longer summers. Surely, many of you have even noticed a difference in powder days the last few seasons, too. They're getting way too few and far between. I think that it's making winter our winter sports season shorter. Um, just over the last few years, I mean, this year, you know, we have an opening date that we announce to the public. It's usually the Friday before Thanksgiving. However, internally, we're ready to open as soon as there's enough snow on the ground. And, for example, we were ready to open October 31st. All the lodges were ready. Like everything was ready. We just didn't have enough snow. And not only did we not have enough natural snow, but you can't make snow unless it's under 32 degrees. Because if you're snowmaking all night, right, it's 32 degrees, 31 degrees, and then it gets up to 40 the next day, you're just throwing money away because it's going to melt, right? So in order to have that base, you have to have like consistent snowmaking for multiple days. And we weren't able to do that. And so we could have opened October 31st. We didn't actually open until November 19th. This has been the longest snowmaking season that we've had. Only one snow day this year? Come on, Colorado, I'm rooting for you. Things start to get a bit more serious when you consider what else relies on the rocky snow. Come springtime, snowmelt accounts for 70% of the state's water supply. And the Colorado River alone supplies water for nearly 40 million people in millions of acres of farmland. It provides for not only our state, but our neighbors too, including Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, and even California. So far, its natural flow has dropped by 20% and will continue doing so unless we begin to make some changes. Low water and high temperatures obviously lead to a higher risk and fire danger, as we've seen in the recent Louisville wildfire that demolished over a thousand homes, but it's making an even bigger impact on our natural ecosystems. Many of you are probably aware of the infamous pine beetles here in Colorado. Even if you're not, you've definitely seen their impact. For those that don't, you can see their path of harm when looking at the sea of pine trees, easily pointing out the gray, terribly sad-looking ones that have been chewed up and spit out by this parasite. By now, pine beetles are accountable for killing over 3.4 million acres of trees in the state, and they absolutely love these rising temperatures. Fewer and fewer below-freezing winter days allow them to successfully move to higher elevations, reaching further into the mountains, wreaking havoc along the way. The dry, dead trees that they leave behind is the perfect fuel for massive, uncontrollable forest fires. But this also means that local authorities are forced to limit access to hiking and camping in many areas. Yet most of our natural wildlife are having to deal with even bigger problems. Less snowpack means that subalpine firs and other high-altitude trees are growing at even higher elevations. This pushing movement of the natural tree line diminishes alpine tundras and turns many of these ecosystems upside down, possibly causing the loss of countless species. Even the water itself is changing, as rising water temperatures manipulate the chemistries of minerals and all those who live within it. 
trout, amphibians, and all other aquatic species are struggling to survive in their new environment. Trees aren't the only ones moving to higher ground either. With massive changes in their food source, mammals are being forced to higher elevations than they're used to, along with deadly parasites and diseases further dwindling populations. This destabilization of entire ecosystems is changing the way of life throughout Colorado. Even if you don't seem to notice, everything around you has. It's a new era of survival now, and everything we do moving forward will directly affect it. The pandemic has changed the way we eat, communicate, and even buy. While still navigating the latest shutdowns, businesses are noticing a relatable decrease as well. Rab Equipment, a British outdoor store with a U.S. division based in Louisville, are seeing a massive decrease in the number of warmer, down-filled jackets and sleeping bags sold because of the shortening winters. Dry marinas are leaving boats beach with nowhere to go. The local industry has begun to be increasingly vocal about climate issues to help bring the alarm on its severity. Jessica Turner, executive director of the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, represents thousands of outdoor businesses. She states that. It's the drought, the water levels for boating, rafting, and kayaking. Lake Powell could be having a record year because of the interest in outdoor activity, but instead boats can't get in or out. For those of you who may not know, Lake Powell is an artificial reservoir on the Colorado River spanning between Utah and Arizona. It not only provides a massive tourist destination, but also acts as a storage facility for the upper basin states like Colorado and its neighbors. It used to be the second largest reservoir in the country, but now the water levels in the lake are reaching record lows. USA Today reported that companies have canceled bookings for houseboat rentals after the boat ramps themselves have closed. And this goes for Vegas State Park and John Martin Reservoir as well. Business owner Ben McCormick runs Cutthroat Anglers in Silverthorne. He was forced to cancel 16 fishing trips the first day Parks and Wildlife placed a voluntary fishing closure on the Colorado River. He says that, This August, we stopped running our half-day afternoon trips, and we stopped booking additional floats just because we didn't feel like there was a good enough product there to be doing it. It was definitely a massive disruption to our business. According to the Colorado Wildlife Council, fishing contributes $2.4 billion a year to the state's economy. Jumping to the winter months, the 2020 to 2021 ski season racked up 59 million skier visits, the fifth best season on record according to the National Ski Areas Association. Yet this was greatly influenced by the cabin fever from the pandemic. COVID was challenging. I mean, in addition to mask mandates, I don't know if everybody remembers, we also had capacity mandates. It basically changed every aspect of our operations. Honestly, and we had to submit to Boulder County Public Health and operations, a COVID operations plan that had to be approved through Boulder County and then also approved by the state before we could even open. And so that included things like creating a ghost lane in the mazes. We had our lodges, we had ambassadors at every door and lodges were closed pretty much to the public unless you had to go to the bathroom. All of our food and beverage was grab and go. We had porta potties in the parking lots, which we had not done that before. We had not had ambassadors before. We had never offered a fully grab and go menu before. When COVID first started, we were really worried about being closed down. It was a struggle. It was definitely a struggle. Things don't look so bright for the future in this industry. A 2017 study funded by the Environmental Protection Agency said that nearly all sites will see drastically shorter seasons. If our current rate continues, by 2050, some resorts may see a decrease in season length by more than 50% and up to 80% by 2090. 
Chris Steinkamp, head of advocacy for Snowsport Industries America, mentioned that. When it doesn't snow or winters become shorter, as they already have, our industry suffers dramatically, and it's not just the ski resorts. Manufacturers, sales representatives, retailers, and small businesses in mountain communities such as Aspen, Steamboat, and Telluride feel the effects. In this episode, we covered the extent of climate change and how the tourism industry in Colorado is adapting to its tremendous effects. Climate change is irreversible, but there are many ways we can incorporate sustainability into our everyday lives. We hope to have not only informed those listening about this pressing issue, but to have inspired even the slightest bit of change in your daily habits. In episode two, Hazardous Housing with Ariana and Michael, we will be learning about environmentally hazardous factories placed near or around Colorado residents, which heavily impact not only them, but the environment as well. In this episode, the themes of systemic and unjust displacement of people are thoroughly discussed. Special thanks to Hunter Wright for coming on and giving us a bit more insight on how the winter tourism industry is dealing with climate change. If not our own, other ambient sounds can be found at freesound.org, as well as our music credit, Deja Vu, by Halzina CC0 from Free Music Archive. I'm Jacqueline Sandstedt. And I'm Logan Jacobs. Thank you all for listening. It's been a pleasure.